0: Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday, I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And this is your podcast for August 2nd, 2020, the ninth Sunday after Pentecost, and we're coming to you not live on behalf of Holy Family Episcopal Church in Fishers, Indiana.
1: Bruce, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm coming off a couple weeks vacation, and baseball season, Major League Baseball's kind of started, so... Kind of? <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> weird. You could call it that. <laughs> But I, I've tried watching some of the games on TV. Don't like the fake fan noise, but it's great to see the players again.
0: What about the CGI fans? I think that's oh, those are weird. awful. Yeah, I think that's just so weird. Uh, but you know what? I've seen I've seen the footage of the empty stadium yeah. gameplay without the, the the rendition, and that's even weirder.
1: <laughs> well, I keep waiting for those um, CG fans to pull out light. Lightsabers or something—they just <laughs> remind me of a video game from about five years ago. Do you think they're gonna try
0: to recreate like the whole experience? Like as the season goes on, are we gonna see like one game uh,
1: has a streaker? Uh... <laughs> well, again, if it, since it's retro, look, yeah, <laughs> I. Th- <laughs> I thought I was going. To, I thought I was going to be dated by saying they do the wave, but you've really dated yourself. Oh, they—they they,
0: they for sure. Actually, I've seen that. They actually for sure are doing the wave.
1: Oh, gee whiz!
0: Yeah, right. Uh, so it's a uh, it, it's man, what a weird time. Well, hey, listen. Speaking of weird time, I cannot tell you how glad I am that you are back. Uh, for for our regular listeners. You probably noticed, uh, because it was painfully obvious, that uh, Bruce hasn't been here to record with me. And uh, Bruce, it really brought to uh, the forefront the realization for me as to uh, the the job done by the the structurers of lectionary readings, uh, uh, how how uh, thorough of a job they have done in creating this three year cycle, because. I uh for the first week uh I semi I would say semi successfully tied narratives of the different readings for that Sunday to prior recordings.
1: Oh, good for you.
0: Uh the last week like li- they literally don't exist. Like I was trying to, <laughs> like uh I think one of the story uh one of the stories here uh was um um what was that? It was the 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 first king's story about Solomon. There's no, uh-huh. we haven't read about Solomon in three years. Um, so yeah, I was like, okay, true. well, I'll go back to I'll go back to his dad. I'll find a story about his dad. Nope, same thing. <laughs> same thing. Like we don't like so so. Kudos belong to uh, the uh, the lectionary framers for creating this longer cycle, uh, without very much repeating. Um, uh, because I was really hoping to take the easy way out and be like, Oh, here's a very similar uh, discussion that Bruce and I had back in, you know, yeah. uh, in April of 2019. And, um, uh, it, it just doesn't exist. So we really do, it, it really does uh, give me the appreciation of, of uh, the enormity of of that task, but also, you know, how how we managed to keep things
1: fresh for at least three years. (laughs) Yeah, and that that really is the point. (laughs) Right. No, the point is to cover more of the Bible, but part of it is so that, yeah, things are fresher and you're not getting recycled sermons. Because we used to be, as a lot of people probably don't remember, um, until the early 70s, late 60s, we were on a one-year lectionary cycle
0: oh yeah oh gosh
1: yeah so you, you heard the same stories the same sundays year after year after year and obviously that was a huge challenge for anyone giving a sermon but maybe it was even a bigger challenge for anyone listening
0: yeah yeah the, that that would be that would be tough yeah at least for as as the, the the priest as the sermon giver uh you could go like worst case i go back to the can yeah, <laughs> it's on the shelf. Just pull it down, dust it off, <laughs> update this, uh, this, this, uh, uh, this reference. Uh, right, it's out of the zeitgeist of uh, of people, and uh, um, done. Off we go. Took me ten minutes. All done. <laughs> ready to go. Um, you
1: can watch Ed Sullivan now.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can watch Ed Sullivan. Uh, <laughs> I guess that so, was Sunday night. Right. Whatever
1: we watched on Saturday nights back in the day.
0: Yeah. I I have to admit I didn't watch Ed Sullivan, but, uh, so,
1: but the other, the other
0: thing that I feel like I should point out, uh, is an appreciation I have for having a partner to cover these readings on because, uh, uh, it's a, it's a lonely process of trying to do, you know, do this without someone else to converse with and to bounce things off of and to, to kind of feed the conversation in between. Uh, even the, the, the short uh, interludes that I recorded in between uh, or, or for the beginning and the end felt just so weird to be talking into a void, mm-hmm. uh, uh, which uh, then makes me think of uh, uh, you know, all the online sermons that you're doing yeah. <laughs> into a camera <laughs> and how odd it is to, it must be to have absolutely no human feedback whatsoever. <laughs> Unless you happen to have Kathy or one of your daughters there, like, shaking their head going, like, no, it's just not working. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah it, it is very weird. And um, one of the things I've learned after almost 20 years of marriage with Kathy is she's terrible at sermon reactions. <laughs> <laughs> I remember one time she, was, she looked deeply in thought, and this was years ago. Deeply in thought through this sermon, so says, "Oh, I can't wait till afterwards to ask her what struck her." And I asked, "What were you thinking about during the sermon?" She was like, "What?" I said, "You look like you were deeply in thought." She said, "Oh yeah, I was trying to decide where to transplant that tree." <laughs> I was wow! Like, oh. <laughs> what a, what a what
0: a what a kick!
1: <laughs> a little
0: humbling moment there. What a what a knee to the stomach that it must have been! Like. Oh, wasn't even I didn't. It wasn't even a thought that I got would have gotten
1: you onto. Well, no, actually, it, like it was the parable of the fig tree or something. Oh, okay. Well, see, so well, then he, she was able to say, you know, what, once you described that part again, I you know I had to start thinking about the tree we need to transplant. So at least
0: at least you got someone somewhere to a line of thought. That's so right.
1: That, so or, that's not technically it's not bad. the gospel did but yes. there you go well it, hey you know what
0: that's uh that, that's even that's even better right that's that's, the, that's
1: true that is
0: that's so but uh but yeah that would be really awful if the the the, the true answer was like oh well it was just so boring yeah um, my mind wandered and uh started thinking about you know how i
1: need a new pair of shoes uh <laughs> Well, actually, the thing that i would I dreaded, which she has never done is I was thinking how wrong you were <laughs> mm.
0: you know though i i would I would venture a guess that uh, as a priest uh uh part of you would enjoy that.
1: Uh, oh we yeah, we'll often talk about the different approaches <clears> throat> that throat> the other would take. We're both priests. And if, you know, whoever gave the sermon and the other heard, we're bound to have a afterwards a good conversation about it. But one thing we've learned is not to have that conversation beforehand because then we're doubting what we're preaching. Right.
0: Oh, sure. For sure. Uh, for sure. Yeah, no, doubt is always to be reserved for later when you yeah. can't do anything about it. Um. That's what I prefer. <laughs> So, uh, But yeah, so well, anyways, uh, the long story short, yes. I'm very <laughs> glad that you're back. Uh, uh, I'm, I hope that the time off was restful and relaxing. Yeah. Um, uh, I've chosen to record uh, this podcast outside uh, for the first time because it's a beautiful day and it's going to rain for uh, <laughs> uh, later, so I might as well get my enjoyment of it while I can. But That's right. So as I sit here on my back porch enjoying the uh cicadas making as much noise as they possibly can uh, which i'm
1: not hearing miles away where are out oh I good you? good yeah. good good
0: well then that's not too bad yeah uh then uh let me let me move on to today's word of the day and uh it, it's it's a it's a different word of the day because bruce i'm going to need some help with this definition this website says absolutely nothing about it um so i
1: can make stuff up <laughs> so you can make stuff up and i won't really know
0: uh the the word of the day is zebra book. And, and I'll go ahead and say what the Episcopal church glossary dictionary says about zebra book. It says, and I quote, see authorized services, 1973, or the quote unquote zebra book, which is (laughs) not a helpful definition. Um, (laughs) So um it is uh, what it is. It is right. <laughs> right. It's exactly <laughs> what this definition says is the definition of this is exactly that. Um so do you know anything about the zebra book?
1: Yeah. In um the late nineteen sixties, the Episcopal Church as a body began the process of revising the Book of Common Prayer, the shared prayer book for the entire Episcopal Church. All the congregations use it. And the prior version was 1928, so it had been some decades since this work had been done. And it being the 60s and 70s, it was quite a process. Um, Mm. Lots of committees and trial liturgies, as they were called, test drives, And the Zebra Book was the second to last of the books they wanted congregations to try and to give response to for over a um, a two-and-a-half-year period because our national convention body, our general convention, uh, meets every three years. So they would Mm -hmm. change what the approvals were every three years. We had the Green Book and... Before that we had some little pamphlet things, and then after the Green Book we had the Zebra Book, and then we had the Almost Prayer Book that was called the Proposed Book of Common Prayer, which I know at Holy Family we still have a few of those in the pews because so little was changed between that And the 1979 fully approved authorized Book of Common Prayer. Hmm. One of the fun facts in the Zebra book, which is very similar to the prayer book we have today. The Green Book had some real radical things that were dropped. Radical by Episcopal standards. It wasn't wasn't very much. But um, the Lord's Prayer had a really different translation, the the contemporary one, than the one that was Hmm. decided on. Um, But what's interesting is both the zebra book and that green book were purposely physically produced in a way that they would deteriorate quickly because the church didn't want these hanging around and having people using them beyond the two and a half, three years they were supposed to be used. So they're very, very rare now because they physically disintegrate. The bindings come come unglued. And all the pages fall out, and they had very cheap um, ex- uh, covers. And what a strange thing! Yeah, so I mean, the so it was they, like
0: the it was like the message in uh, uh, Mission Impossible that yeah. self destructs in
1: <laughs> like a yeah, period this trial of time. will self destruct in <laughs> two years. Yeah, huh. <laughs> well, and part of it is they knew churches that uh, churches are cheap, and so it's like, eh, this one's good, let's keep it. Um, it's like, well, you know, my Page two hundred just fell out. What? Oh, all of them did. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay, we'll go buy the next one. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So, so
0: why why zebra though? Because the first thought oh, that I that I came to it had okay. a
1: zigzag pattern on the outside. So, oh. So it was okay. not an official term, but it was the inside lingo that probably I would venture of a majority of Episcopalians were not Episcopalian in 1973, and so probably aren't even familiar with that. So it's probably actually helpful <laughs> to have the definition, or to have the word there be more helpful with the definition spelled out a bit more about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I was in seminary, which was over 30 years ago, one of the um, informal hunts was to go to the used bookstores in Chicago, which were plentiful, and see if you could find a uh, green book and a zebra book, so you'd have a full set of the trial liturgies and hmm. carefully preserve them for whatever reason. And so I do have a copy of the green book and the zebra book.
0: Interesting. So it hasn't se- it hasn't exploded on you yet. Oh,
1: it's close. <laughs> <laughs> I have much older books than that, but these are the only ones that are very carefully shelved and used as little as possible. And when Mm -hmm. I take it down, I'm almost to the point of wearing white gloves, but not quite.
0: Yeah, I suppose you could like laminate them and then make your own binder, but uh, that's a lot of effort. Um, Yeah. Yeah, originally I was, so I was, I was, internally I was theorizing that the Zebra book was a play on, on mixing black and white concepts. Um, but, uh, but nope, just a zigzag pattern.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was just, it, yeah, and the green book just had this very cheap, um, non-graphic cover that just mm. had the, the title on it. And so part of the effort was to get people excited about this new trial liturgy we were supposed to all, um, attempt to use. And so I think they put a little more work into the graphics on the cover. Interesting.
0: Very cool. Yeah. Well, uh, that was the zebra books. The, the, thanks for joining us for the zebra chronicles. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, th- I I saw that definition, and as you it, 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 as you can imagine, uh, um, y and z uh, uh, words in the dictionary are very limited, and so uh, um, it was as I was preparing for today and looking through all the different options uh, and remembering the y and z words that I chose last year which were the only super interesting ones I would say <laughs> um, uh, I, my eye was drawn to the word that had no definition I thought that was strange enough to be potentially interesting um, So, uh, too
1: bad it wasn't <laughs>
0: I think that I think it so it totally was, and as we all know, this is a podcast simply for me, right? Uh, <laughs> the audience of one. The, the audience of one. Uh, 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 it's more of a more of a historical capture of the the strange wanderings of my mind. Uh, but uh, but uh, but yeah. So since that that was a uh, that was intriguing to me, so I thought we would delve down and 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 you, boy, you delivered. You had uh, more <laughs> a lot more knowledge on that than I thought. Uh, I thought we'd end up getting. So that was, that was good.
1: Yeah, and there's more, but I will stop.
0: <laughs> As you stop, let's move on to our yeah. first reading uh, uh, this week. Uh, Isaiah 55, verse 1 through 5. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you that have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine, and have milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? and your labor for that which does not satisfy. Listen carefully to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen so that you may live. I will make you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. I'm sorry, I should read that correctly. I will make for you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. See, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. See, you shall call nations that you do not know, and nations that do not know you shall run to you, because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Um, who is this written to? It's, uh, the, the audience is referred to as my steadfast here in verse 3. Um, is this just a general uh, uh, letter from what would this be, the third
1: writer in Isaiah to uh, Israel? It's actually uh, the second.
0: The second? Okay.
1: Yeah, it's the um, last chapter of Deutero Isaiah, the second Isaiah. Okay. And the audience is the population of Jews that are still held in captivity in Babylon. It's part of the encouragement to leave what they know, to take the road back to what they don't know any longer, which is Jerusalem. And God, in a sense, trying to convince them that they should take that road, even though mm-hmm. it's full of the unknown.
0: And and uh, the earlier verses are referencing um, uh, things that, that, that uh, kind of impart in your mind uh, generosity, Right. Um uh maybe grace. Uh although I do find it interesting that the the phrase is you that have no money come buy and eat. What would you be how would you buy if you have no money?
1: Well it's really it should be more of a um obtain rather than yeah. Translators.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Stupid translators. Yeah. (laughs) You can't buy if you have no money.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was silly. <laughs> um, but and part of it is to be poetic, frankly. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so it's um, Yeah, it, it is some it is to make you stop and go, What? And mm-hmm. it's um, part of a formula that would have been familiar to the folks back then of how a king celebrates becoming king mm, mm-hmm. and or an, another great event in a kingdom's um, life that they they hold a feast that is totally free to all of the citizens of the realm and they get to come and have this marvelous feast <clears throat> and mm. part of this passage then goes on with a um, why are you trying to do this yourself, when I'm trying to provide for you everything you need. Oh, interesting. Okay. Okay. Um, it's almost like Paul that way, uh, a Pauline epistle that way. Okay. Yeah. 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 The the
0: um, it does, and and it, is this like the verse that is later referenced by uh, uh, Jesus when he says, "Come, come to me, all yeah. all, all you who thirst." And okay. Um, Very much so. Okay, and yeah, so this is so that makes sense why they would be referred to as my steadfast because um, staying fast to uh, the, the 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 kingdom when you're being held in cap- captivity and this concept of being able to return home um, would be something that you would have to hold on to, um, and uh, um, so it, it's it's nice imagery. Um, in that, like, uh, um, it, it the author is identifying, like, you know, I have you're not forgotten, right? Um, you're still a part of the group, you're you know, um, well, and you have a, you have a future, and 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 that you have a future, yeah. Um, who is so obviously, uh, uh, it, it is when, um, in verse four, him as he refers to him, a witness to the people's. Is that that's the reference to David in the prior verse? Yeah. Okay. I just want to make sure there wasn't any other uh, extraneous uh, context uh, that would color that differently. Um, you shall call nations that you do not know, um, meaning like uh, you'll you'll um, reach far and wide and communicate or grow or what's the
1: that. This is part of that future orientation that you you don't know that over 2,000 years from now, there's going to be a country called Germany. But you will be able to call to that nation uh, Mm. that it's this, again, this future orientation, this idea of letting go of what little you know, and Mm -hmm. instead taking the risk on what God is promising you that is beyond your wildest dreams.
0: Yeah, and and uh, um, it, going down that road gives you uh, uh, food to eat and wine and milk, although hopefully not together. <laughs> um, uh, uh, but like uh, the, the, uh, a a celebration uh, um, will occur on that uh, on that day, or is the celebration like the Marking point of that future.
1: Well, I think the celebrations more right now, and
0: gotcha. um, Let's celebrate together now as we turn the page and move forward together.
1: Yeah, and that this again, it's sort of a, a Paul or Jesus call to to live in the here and now where God is. Let go of your preconceptions, and then you'll see. To use jesus's imagery that the wedding feast has already started hmm. mm-hmm. and you're just walking around in your everyday clothes pretending nothing marvelous is going on at all when there's a wedding feast right here for you to step through the door and enjoy
0: <clears throat> yeah 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 i do like wedding feasts <laughs> although i haven't had milk at a wedding feast uh, i don't think um
1: maybe when you wear little. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> uh,
0: anything else about this? Uh, 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 reading from Isaiah, deutero Isaiah. Uh, does, well what done. else? What else does he say in, um, uh, the, these 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 last verses of of his writing? Anything else? Because I I imagine I, I I actually haven't looked forward, but I would imagine that uh, that might be the end of. Uh, the string of readings from Isaiah, at least from that chapter, and maybe move on to the next writer. Uh, and we do in two weeks. Okay. Um, so um, since it, we won't well, get a chance to cover is there any other things that he I'll says in his book I'll fulfill my tradition
1: of saying it. this is very <laughs> worthy of reading more of on one's own. It um, says some of the most famous passages from Isaiah, like, Seek the Lord while he may be found call upon him while he is near. Um, And then in another verse, where you shall go out in joy and be led back in peace, um, the mountains and hills before you shall burst into song. I mean, yeah, it's absolutely beautiful. And again, has some of the um, samplers you put on a wall kind of verses in it. So it's well worth reading to get even more of the depth of meaning. Cool.
0: Yeah. Very cool um let's move on to romans Gidoki. romans chapter 9 verse 1 through 5 i am speaking the truth in christ i am not lying my conscience confirms it by the holy spirit i have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart for i could wish that i myself uh, were accursed and cut off from christ for the sake of my own people my kindred according to the flesh they are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from them, according to the flesh, comes the Messiah, who is over all, God-blessed forever. Amen. Um, I, I'm pretty sure uh, this is not the same reading that I'm thinking of, but I believe Paul in at least one other writing has before said that he wasn't lying, which is a strange, always like yeah. a, a strange thing for me to hear someone say, because that usually think, means, hmm. <laughs> that usually makes me think like, oh, uh, are you sure you're not lying? I'm not entirely sure I believe you. I hadn't even been thinking about it until you mentioned something. Right. Why would I um, think you were lying? <laughs> right. Um, uh, so, go ahead.
1: I was going to say, it's a form of a, of a solemn oath. Okay. So um, you know, it's not yeah, it's not how we would use it in contemporary language of yeah, it didn't even occur to me. They so say you might be, um, but instead it's part of the formula of saying I'm speaking the truth. I am not lying. Uh, so help me, God. Or you know, mm-hmm. I'm just I'm making up what it, how it might have read in full. But yeah, it's it's designed and is offered as. This is really, really important, and I so important. I am stating all of my integrity on it.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Um, now I find it interesting here, and maybe you can help me work this out. This is the Book of Romans, <clears throat> a Pauline letter to Roman uh, people, um, and in in this section here, in verse four. Um, Actually, leading up into that, in verse three, he's talking about like, hey, if I could, you know, uh, find myself accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my own people, um, he's been essentially saying I would do that. Um, they are Israelites, and and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from them, according to the flesh, comes the Messiah, who is over all. It really builds up uh, the Israelites at a period of time that I that, that I would think. Um, uh, Paul's basically trying to bring the Romans in, uh, and we've read that in, in weeks past, that his arguments are trying to appeal to their sensibilities and bring them in. Does, you know, do you get the feeling like uh, that builds up the Israelites uh, uh, maybe a little too high for the intended audience? Uh, does, does Doesn't that kind of exclude the Romans a little bit? Like, they're well, so much better than, you know.
1: <laughs> the thing you got to remember is throughout, you know, if, if you were a Roman citizen, so someone who had a certain amount of status, um, sitting in Rome, your feeling about Israel would have been those hicks. Oh, okay. <laughs> and so part of what Paul's doing is saying, you know, they actually were, they actually had the most important thing in the universe, which is God. The one true mm. God, um, so stop looking down your noses at them.
0: Interesting. Okay. Okay.
1: Yeah, the Romans easily conquered them, and um, they weren't thought of as being very sophisticated in the arts. Or um, yeah, they didn't didn't have didn't build public baths like the Romans loved. The Romans had to build those for them, and just mm-hmm. all the markers of sophistication. Uh, the Jews did not possess and we're not interested in and so they were seen to be as very very unsophisticated put it nicely
0: hmm so I, I understand what um, he's referencing also there patriarchs understand it promises from God worship uh, with God giving of the law the covenants the glory what's what exactly is the adoption
1: well it's it's being the chosen people.
0: Okay, so the adoption by God, he yeah. essentially adopted them as his people.
1: Yeah. Um, Cuz God and, creates all people. huh And so God had so in order for these to be God's own people in this special relationship, that special relationship had to be created by God. And so so
0: essentially, so essentially that early linking during in the Old Testament during the period of time when um most groups of people uh either uh, worshipped absolutely nothing or worshipped many gods as part of uh, like how to, what is that called a mm-hmm. polytheistic uh, yeah. uh, um um religious structure which is um, what Rome
1: had as well
0: right right uh, yeah for sure um so um the adoption took place during that period of time when they kind of stood stood alone and and stood out among all other nations as far as believing in one
1: uh, right. the, the idea of a monotheism a, of a single,
0: yeah um, yeah interesting okay um i feel like we're getting towards the tail end of romans as well uh how much is left in romans i'm trying to remember oh or are we only halfway through
1: yeah i was going to say we're only about halfway through
0: okay there's Good. still a lot more to go <laughs> um anything else about um um about this uh, this verse i mean he he does um actually i do I, I have one other question uh the the reference he starts off saying um you know hey i'm not lying uh i have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart and yet the um proceeding verses as a plane flies over me
1: uh-huh fly plane
0: um uh the preceding verses don't really, in my mind, inform what exactly he's talking about. Um, what what great sorrow and unceasing anguish is in his heart? I mean, I could guess, but what think, we read here today doesn't exactly spell that out for us.
1: I think what he's saying is it would be easier, and it'd be easier to be a follower of Christ if you didn't have to take on all of this Jewish stuff as well. Mmm, and it would be so much easier if he could just deny that Thousands of years of salvation history and start with the birth of Jesus and move on from there But he's saying no all this is part of God working salvation for the human race so we don't get to say What happened between God and the Jewish people doesn't count anymore in many ways? not not surprisingly, since we presume the Holy Spirit was inspiring part of this, he is anticipating some of the strongest arguments for anti Semitism in modern Christianity. That hmm. that Jesus eliminated or replaced all of the former teachings and relationships with the Jewish people and started something fresh with Christianity, which Paul is saying, no, 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 nope. <laughs> it would be easier, but no, we we also are part of that. And guess what? That means we're not first, which is right. al- also part of anti-Semitism.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, well, uh, unless there's anything else you want to point out specifically, nope, those were the highlights. Pause. Uh, move on to <laughs> Matthew uh, chapter fourteen, verse thirteen through twenty-one. Uh, this might sound familiar yeah
1: this one you would have had an easier time finding other <laughs> <of> <laughs> yeah. yeah i of. definitely
0: would have found uh elsewhere uh now when jesus heard this he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself but when the crowds heard it they followed him on foot from the towns when he went ashore he saw a great crowd and he had compassion for them and cured their sick When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away, so that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, We have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed, and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds, and all ate and were filled. And they took up what was left over, the, of the was left over of the broken pieces, twelve baskets full, and those who ate were about five thousand men, besides women and children. Um, you can recognize right away uh, the the reason why it's paired with the reading from Isaiah. Right. Uh, so 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 good on the 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 authors there to identify that um, <clears throat> because Jesus is saying no you're hungry you have nothing come and eat and uh, get your fill um, so um, but this th- to to be honest uh, this is one of those um, mystic uh, kind of miracle stories that. Uh, Um, uh, gets scrutiny from, from the um, non-religious public. Right. Uh, uh, um, And uh, so what about this story um, would you, would you say that we haven't, you know, already, already heard because I, I can already tell a couple of differences from where it appears in other gospels, but, and, and maybe there's some something to be said about that, but like, what would you, what would you say about this story that I haven't heard since Bible school? (laughs)
1: <laughs> gosh now i'm trying to think gee how could i criticize his upbringing
0: <laughs> oh you don't you know i that, that I, that I can do that nice. all on my own i can i do that all on my own uh yeah. but <laughs> that's
1: between you're and you and your therapist uh mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah so um it is she's great um <laughs> good glad you're mine mine is too um so the a couple things here and I may have said this in past years, this this event, this miracle takes place in all four Gospels, which is mm-hmm. pretty rare for a miracle, in part because John doesn't have nearly as many miracles written down as Ma- Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that particularly Matthew, Mark, and Luke highlight is Jesus doing this miracle out of compassion. Mm. And that may sound weird to highlight, but I think sometimes we have the mistaken idea that God just does miracles to look good, to exert Mm. power and authority. Mm -hmm. And here the Gospels are really trying to tell us, no, they come out of God's compassion for us, God's love for us. Uh, So it's not... A special effect to make people go "Whoa!" It's instead to feed them, to hmm. feed them both physically and spiritually.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, that, that that is interesting that you point that out because, uh, <clears throat> I mean, even um, uh, I, I would I would uh, say that the the miracle of resurrection. Um, while flashy in the context of uh, h- how it gets written uh, down and what occurs later um, it's kind of a, a um, at, at, in its exact moment would would not have garnered a, a a huge it's not like a you know the you know the, the heavens opened up and angels right. poured out it's a it's a it would have been a, a, a Kind of a visual dud of a <laughs> of an occurrence, um, but it's it's because the miracle is about compassion and not about garnering uh, attention um, um, to, to necessarily to God, right? That's the, right. The, the ultimate act of grace. And in this, uh, in that regards, this uh, miracle kind of mirrors that same theme of like, no, 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 this was it, it, it was you know gracious and necessary and compassionate um to be able to feed the group of people who have come uh, to listen what about what we've talked about and there's no food around.
1: Um, yeah.
0: <clears throat> I noticed that one of the differences is, and I can't I, I don't know the difference between the the different gospel uh, uh-huh. writings, but uh, one of them at least one of them indicates like as they, Asked around, they were only able to gather up uh, five loaves and two fishes. Uh, but the this version, Matthew's version, kind of indicates like the disciples said, "Well, this is all we have." There's not necessarily an indication that they even asked any of the five thousand men besides women and children um, if they had anything. Right. Um,
1: yeah, and Matthew, Mark, and Luke have the identical have identical wording around that.
0: Oh, do they? I, th- I yeah. was—I was under the John, impression that one of them said, that "John."
1: They- John has um, goes into this interesting detail of Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, uh, finding a lad who has five barley loaves and two fish. Gotcha. Um, so in that case, even the in John, even the um, disciples hadn't thought to bring any refreshments hmm. for themselves. Hmm. And, and uh,
0: is, is this the only one that identifies the count uh, excluding men and women? Or, sorry, women and children?
1: I think, I'm just double-checking, I think they all do.
0: Oh, do they? Okay.
1: Um,
0: I, don't re- I don't recall that detail in the story. Um, let's see. So we, we really should rename this one to the feeding of at least the 5,000.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, and um, a lot of titles in newer Bibles they call it the Feeding of the Multitude.
0: Oh, that would be better. So yeah. they,
1: use, they use a you know a biblical sounding term, but um, it's better than it sounds better than saying feeding the feeding of the five thousand plus a whole lot more. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, because it, it, is, it is a incredibly exclusive language <laughs> from the viewpoint of only counting men. Um, although, I, you know, as it was done at the time. Uh, but uh, but still, um, doesn't mean we have to perpetuate it. Um, yeah,
1: and what's good on Matthew, in Mark it says, um, those who ate were 5,000 men, period, move on to the next story. Gotcha. So it was nice that Matthew... Let people know that there were also a lot of women and children there, too.
0: Right. Um, So, um, and this is kind of like, um, in a way, the way that that things are worded here, this is kind of like the first, this is a feast, essentially. Again, bringing back to that Isaiah reading. Um, But we always kind of think of the first, uh, like the Last Supper as the first uh, uh, communion, but this this has a lot of the same feel to it. It's supposed to, yeah. And um, so, so why do we not count this as the as the first communion?
1: Well, there there are many people who do. Okay. And in John, the Gospel of John, it it is definitely the first Eucharist because he doesn't put in a narrative of the Last Supper. He has the washing of feet before the arrest of Jesus, whereas Matthew, Mark, and Luke have the Last Supper before the arrest of Jesus. Got it. Interesting. Yeah, we know from very early Christian writings and mosaics and things that the five loaves and two fishes were a very, very popular, if not the most popular, image for the Holy Eucharist.
0: Got it. Now, logistically, let me ask this question because the the, the reading starts off. Um, um, color the, the the context of the beginning of this because it says, "Now, when Jesus heard this." Oh, yeah, and uh, we we don't get that part of the story, which is a little a little awkward to start the reading there. But uh, what did, what did Jesus
1: hear? That Herod had killed John the Baptist. Okay. Um,
0: so when he heard this, he would withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. Um, so the um, it, it sounded, it, at first blush, it sounds as though he went somewhere where only a boat could carry him. But then the crowds heard it and followed him on foot. So it was definitely, it wasn't an island somewhere. Um, but it was, he sailed away a little ways and found a deserted, a deserted place. Um, do we have any idea as to roughly where this was, uh, uh, geographically?
1: Uh, it was presumably on the Sea of Galilee somewhere, which okay. is actually a big lake. So, um, it'd be faster to go by boat, but you could get anywhere on the lake shore by foot as well.
0: Got it. So essentially he sailed to like the other side of the lake.
1: Yeah, or down down the lakeshore. It's a big lake, so yeah. you know you could have sailed many miles or rode many miles to a new location and gotten there well before anyone could have gotten there on foot. Going because the, the even with the roads and paths, it's uh, still up and down along the lakeshore. There the hills go right down to the lakeshore, um, which provide natural amphitheaters for Jesus to teach and perform miracles and all. So now, um, yeah, he okay. could have beaten them by quite a ways, but they could have watched from the at, from the road to see where he was going to uh, pull up his boat and then go catch up.
0: Gotcha. Now, the purpose of withdrawing is this um, uh, like a tactical afraid for his life kind of a deal since uh, John the Baptist was was killed, or is this like I I need to go think about this and then us, the crowds just wouldn't leave him alone. <laughs> well,
1: that's that's one of the great debates, actually, and hmm. and since it's been going on for hundreds of years, maybe maybe two thousand years, we won't settle it this morning. But um, certainly, a valid interpretation is hearing of John the Baptist, who was extremely popular and uh, with the masses and who Herod had been keeping alive for quite a while, even though he was imprisoned, to hear that that John the Baptist had been killed would have certainly given Jesus a sense of what his end was going to be sooner rather than later, that that Herod had taken this um, barbaric step of Mm -hmm. um, killing John the Baptist on a whim. Um, There's also the dynamic that often takes place in the Gospels of Jesus withdrawing to a quiet place to pray before the next big events so hmm. some have said this was his preparation spiritual preparation for performing this miracle of feeding the multitude
0: hmm. Hmm. Um, are there any uh, just, just because i know human nature has is has always been to try to explain events yeah. Have there, have there ever been any, uh, uh, well, I know that there have been, have there ever been any good, uh, uh, um, possible explanations for the, this, uh, this miracle outside of the, you know, mystic sense, the, 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 which would uh, honestly kind of, uh, detract a little bit from the, 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 the miracle co- yeah. concept of it. But, um, have there ever been any, uh, any any interesting theories as to uh, how this story was done from a little bit more of a practical standpoint, as opposed to a a, uh, a spiritual, uh, um, uh, um, miraculous standpoint?
1: Yeah, there's been at least for a hundred years, and perhaps long much longer than that. But I'm a, I know it's been published for at least a hundred years that this was a miracle of human behavior that mm-hmm. uh, what Jesus actually did was to convince people who had brought their own provisions to share everything they had with the people mm-hmm. around them. And that's why there could be such uh, excess at the end, that they literally brought in more than they had sent out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that that's, that's the amazing thing, the miraculous thing that happened of folks sitting in the middle of nowhere with enough food for them and their household saying, yeah, we're, we're going to share this. We don't yep. know if we're going to have enough to get home, but yeah, we'll share this right now. We're moved by the great communal spirit that has filled this hillside, mm. and we'll do this. Uh,
0: yeah, and, and and I would say, um, while such a theory, um, it'd be hard for me to say uh, that it doesn't detract from the story, uh, because if. For you, the story is the miracle itself. Well, you know, demystifying a miracle would be a detraction. Um, It does, uh, such a theory does uh, still make the story uh, very important, very interesting, uh, very telling as to... Um, um, you know, along the lines of what's the famous quote, uh, "Be the change you want to see in the world." Yeah, uh, this would be like the the uh, physical realization of that, as far as the, the in, in Jesus' life, uh, an indication that he's having the kind of impact that he is set forward to have. Um, so, even even the demystified theory for this uh, this story is. is pretty powerful right um, uh, if if, uh, if you're more inclined to, to to feel that that is the actual narrative um, um, and of course it's not my it's certainly not my job to, to say one way or the other uh, um, uh, I have obviously not studied it <laughs> nearly as nearly as much as uh, as, as uh, many other people but uh, I would say that that that, that still holds a, a, a pretty a pretty interesting story and a, a, a very interesting uh, concept and, and way of thinking that, that would 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 also be worth surviving two thousand years uh, and, and having importance even today. Yeah.
1: And yeah you know, it I think it's and I think it's fine if some days in one's life they need the supernatural and at other times they need the overcoming of human selfishness. Whichever meaning carries weight for you today, that's the one that's um, intended by God for you to hear this day.
0: Yeah. Well, and I would, I would, I would, uh, I would offer that, uh, uh, yeah, the overcoming uh, human selfishness uh, is also, uh, in of itself, pretty supernatural. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, uh, it's 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 not as though uh, that kind of thing uh, happens. All the time, uh, which is why whenever we do hear a story that in any way reflects some of those ideals, even if on a smaller scale, you, you know, you have that recognition and realization and it gets on the news and you have that brief moment of, you know, oh, that's so good to see. You know, I'm I'm so glad that the story was somewhere in there amidst, you know, the, uh, you know, this military conflict and this story about uh uh, a drive-by murder and (laughs) you know all these awful things that we are bombarded with every these stories that we're bombarded with every day uh which oftentimes boil down to human selfishness these kind of stories about overcoming that uh carry a lot of power and uh um um so uh, like I said, I would imagine that the the official Epi- Episcopal uh, um, uh, Church lands on this story of well, how does that how does the story uh, uh, strike you today? Is that kind of a, the way that we yeah. officially yeah, we, take it?
1: There's yeah, I've i was never tested on the <laughs> what is the Orthodox view of this particular story in the Gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead, was invited to see the different meanings that are possible on any given day. Yeah, um, and again, another one is the uh, gift of the Holy Eucharist. That mm-hmm. all these come out of Jesus's compassion.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, I think, and and I think it would be worthwhile pointing out that you know one of the reasons why my line of questioning goes that direction is a, a, a way of me admitting that on some days I. Feel differently about that yeah. story. Uh, I have, I have my own, I have my own days where uh, the supernatural uh, is is uh, a supernatural definition or or um, um, reason behind the story. Just uh, isn't isn't working for me that day, uh, and uh, um, and that's okay. That's the, you know, I I I have those days, and that's okay.
1: Well, one image that yeah, and one image that comes to mind probably because it's summertime. Is that there's some times where for me watching a superhero movie is satisfying because rights I mean wrongs get to be made right mm-hmm. and you know it, it takes supernatural forces of um, Superman or whoever to do it but there are other times where I get the same effect by watching a really good BBC murder mystery where <laughs> the murderer is caught and uh, does go to prison, uh, right? So sometimes, yeah, you know, the supernatural because everything feels overwhelming, and other times it's yeah. If we just work this together, it'll turn out as it should,
0: right? And those BBC stories occur because of you know human caring, compassion, yep. dedication to the truth, science. Uh, all, all those fields yep. come together and and bring together a just outcome.
1: Yep. And I, but I'm glad I have the choice on as I like, turn on Netflix as to which I get to see that day, depending on my right. mood.
0: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> hey, it all it, it takes all all, all kinds. Yeah. And sometimes it's is,
1: just a stand-up comedy special. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's absolutely right.
0: Uh, so with that, uh, go forth and watch all the comedy specials that you want. Um, uh, let's end this podcast for uh, August second, uh, proper thirteenth. Uh, Proper 13, the ninth Sunday after Pentecost. Uh, So August 2nd, 2020. Uh, We encourage everybody to um, uh, check out our webpage at uh, hfec.org. We have lots of materials there. Um, If you would like to revisit or you haven't had a chance to watch any of the previous online services, we have a ton of content on HFEC Video's Uh, webpage on YouTube so that's our YouTube channel uh, and shoot that goes back at this point six years, seven years cool, Uh, something like that so um, if you forget what uh, all of us look like uh, go back and (laughs) Go back and watch a, a, a Sunday from you know November of last year, and, and there's there's plenty of, uh, of good reminders. You'll see all your friends. Watch a hairstyle
1: uh, change. <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Everyone is significantly less shaggy yeah. uh, than they are now. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, yeah, uh, um, feel free to check that out. If you have any questions, uh, comments, you want to send us anything, feel free to e- email us at shortcut at hfec.org. Um, uh, and uh, until next week I'm Ben and I'm Bruce and we'll talk to you then bye bye bye